Hello, and welcome to Horrific Tales. In this show, we celebrate the creation of independent authors and aspiring writers. Please like and subscribe and share these episodes so we can help our talented friends get as much exposure as possible. We'd also appreciate it if you could support our artists by following them on their individual platforms and by purchasing their works. Details on how to do this are in the episode description. In this horrific tale, an overworked cur takes home more than she bargained for with a new client. Join us now as we present Old Mother Hubbard by Carrie Batchelor. Wendy, I'm sorry to put so much on you, but could you fit in another visit? I can't remember the last time Margaret Hubbard was seen. I think it was weeks ago. Wendy Pritchard sighed. Another late finish. It was handy her neighbour Rosie Wapling was collecting her two children from school, as well as her own. She wouldn't have made it. Yes, okay Ronnie, I'll do my best. Ronnie Wagstaff was the owner of Wagstaff Wings. Let us free you so you can fly. Which supplied domiciliary car services. They'd recently taken on a new contract after the previous company had gone out of business. Ronnie had called a meeting of all her employees, outlining the new contract. She promised the staff recruited from the liquidated company would be taken on, so the workload didn't become impractical. That was proving to be difficult, as the caseloads of the care staff had increased by a quarter. The bureaucracy surrounding taking on new clients and employees was, according to Ronnie, a minefield. Wendy had been asked to take on another five clients, despite her timetable being full to overbrimming. She sighed again, wondering whether anyone had any idea of the void they were all plunging towards. All Margaret Hubbard's details were in her file. She lives a bit out in the sticks, but it's a lovely setting and the cottage is rather quaint, by all accounts. Wendy took the proffered file from Ronnie's hand and had a quick thumb through. She stopped at a page and blanched. Ronnie, there isn't a record of her being seen since October 13th. Wendy glanced up from the file at Ronnie, who raised her hand and took the proffered sheet of paper. Bloody hell. She said quietly, that's almost six weeks ago. That's disgusting. And if you read the notes, she was struggling to have enough money for food and heating. There's a note with a food bank visit. They should have informed us of the urgency of her situation. None of the others we have taken on so far have been neglected to this poor woman. She must be frantic with worry. I hope she's okay. Ronnie read more of Margaret's notes, confirming what Wendy had told her. She's been on her own for over 20 years. Her husband Ralph died in 1994. Her only daughter was killed in a car accident in 1982. Poor woman, she's 91. Although she's still alert and active, but that's not the point. She was growing vegetables last summer. She's very independent, but also says she has a dog, Ruffles, a Staffordshire Bull Terrier. I'll try and reorganise my day so I can get to her sooner rather than later. I think I can rearrange my visits. I wouldn't be happy about leaving her until the end of the day. Absolutely not, said Ronnie, handing back the notes. Wendy carefully returned them to the file, picked up her phone, accessed her diary and scrutinised it. Time I was on my way. I'm seeing Wally Foster first, help him get up, dress and make him his breakfast. He was a poor soul who was waiting in hospital for four weeks for a care package to be put in place. It's also disruptive to people's lives. There's no empathy or understanding of the problem and difficulties that people endure. Well, I'm off. I'll contact you if there's any problems with Margaret Hubbard. Fingers crossed, said Ronnie jovially. Wendy Pritchard got into her 15-year-old Renault McGann, hoping that it was warmed up and so it would start first time. She put her bag in the passenger seat and took out her phone. Bugger, she said, the time showing ten past three. She had managed to rearrange her schedule and insert a visit to Margaret Hubbard, but not as early as she'd wanted. But that couldn't be helped. She didn't want to be like that, but all this pressure on her and the other cars wasn't in her own health any good. Wendy had telephoned Margaret to let her know she was coming, but there had been no reply. She thought that as it was a sunny day, Margaret might be outside in the garden. 
She had two visits after Margaret's before she could go home. It was going to be another long one. Wendy turned the key and to her amazement the car started. Then she pulled away. If the traffic was light, she'd be able to get to Margaret by quarter to four. The cottage looked like one from a fairy tale. It was impossibly small, so it could only have one bedroom and one reception room. It was secluded and set back from the single track road that led down to it. It was covered in ivy and honeysuckle in a way that looked like a man with a beard. It had taken Wendy 20 minutes to find the right road. She pulled up gently outside the building and just looked at it. It was lovely, although it could have done with a bit of TLC here and there. Wendy raced across the seat and grabbed her bag and got out. She knew it had gone for and hoped that her unannounced visit wasn't inconvenient. The picturesque garden was overgrown, but that didn't really detract from its quaintness. Wendy glanced over the facade of the cottage and could see that there was one upstairs window open, but otherwise it could have been deserted. Maybe Margaret was or had been ill. There was another possibility, but she refused to think about that. She knocked on the grand solid wood front door and stepped back and waited. Nothing. She counted to twenty and knocked again. Still the door remained stubbornly closed. Was Margaret out somewhere? Had something happened? If she did have a dog, why wasn't it barking? Wendy knelt on one knee, letting the ground support the weight of her bag. She opened the letterbox and peered into the dark interior. It looked like all the curtains were drawn, and it took her a moment for her eyes to accommodate to the gloom. She could make out extraordinarily little detail. She put her mouth to the letterbox. Hello, Margaret. My name is Wendy Pritchard. I'm a carer from Wagstaff Wings, your new car provider. Are you okay? She pulled herself away and angled her ear to the opening, waiting for a response. No matter how faint, there was none. In fact, she couldn't hear any sound coming from within. Now she was concerned. Wendy stood up and tried the front door. It was locked. She knew that none of the ground floor windows on this side of the house were open, so she retraced her steps back down the path. Then she turned to her left and went around the back. The daylight was fading fast and she remembered with irritation that she had another two calls to make after this one. She walked along a path between the cottage and the hedgerow before entering the garden. As she cast her eyes over, what she could see it was clear that it hadn't been tended recently. There were large amounts of fallen brown leaves swirling around the air like confetti and littering the floor beds and lawn. That too needed a cut. Wendy came around the back of the cottage and glanced over its elevation. She could just make out an open window, probably the bathroom or toilet, but that was it. All the others were closed. Preparing to be disappointed again, she grasped the round door handle, twisted it and pushed. To her utter surprise, so much as she jumped, it opened. Oh my god, she whispered in surprise. Now what should she do? Wendy thought for a moment and then decided. She pulled her mobile out of her coat pocket, found her contacts and made the call to Ronnie. It rang four times before it was answered. Wendy, hi, what's up? Hello Ronnie, I'm at Margaret Hubbard's but there's no answer. I can't see into the place because the curtains are drawn. However, the back door is open. Should I go in and check? There was silence from the other end while Ronnie considered her response. As you're there, I think it's best you have a look to find out what's going on. But be careful and no unnecessary risks. I'll try and get cover for your last two visits, so don't worry about them. Let me know the outcome, will you? Whatever you find, I want to know ASAP. Clear? Clear. I'll call you back as soon as I've been inside and assess the situation. Okay, take care. The call ended and Wendy, thinking ahead, kept the phone in her hand to use as a torch, just in case the lights didn't work. She leant on the door, and it slowly swung open to reveal a mercury, uninviting interior. The grim foreboding was enhanced by the smell that wafted into her nostrils, which made her gag. The foul odour was at once identifiable to her. That of putrefying flesh. Wendy reached into her bag and brought out a tissue and covered her nose with a couple. She opened the door wider and stepped over the threshold and into the kitchen. She raised her phone to eye level and opened it, so it revealed its light. The kitchen was bathed in a laden twilight as she looked around it, 
Her eye caught sight of what she was looking for, and she carefully walked towards the far wall. It was only five paces before she found the light switch, but it seemed like an eternity. She was agitated by what she might find. She flicked the switch, but the darkness was not dispelled by the light. Why was it not working? Had the bulb blown? Had the electricity been cut off? With those questions at the forefront of her mind, she was beginning to experience butterflies in the pit of her stomach. Her anxiety increased, the light from her phone disappeared and she was plunged into darkness. She made an audible noise at the suddenness of his dissipation, but whether it was a shriek or a grunt she couldn't recall. She switched the light back on quickly, but it still took too long. She began to wonder whether the whole house was without power, or whether it was just the kitchen. There was only one way to find out. As she moved towards the exit of the kitchen, her foot caught against something, and she trained the light from the phone towards the ground. Two empty, unwashed bowls stood staring back at her like an enormous pair of coloured eyes. Where was the dog? Timidly, she illuminated the floor in front of her, and tentatively entered the hall. It was short, almost a lobby really, and had one door off it, the stairs in the front door. She raised the phone again and searched for her light switch. Eventually, she found it at the foot of the stairs. She flipped it up, and the darkness remained. It was a whole house then, or at least the ground floor. The stench was forcing its way through the tissues and making her eyes water. Wendy retraced her steps back to the single door off the hall and opened it. She raised the phone again as she entered the lounge and it lit up the room. It was small but cosy with an abandoned fire. There was a two-seater sofa and a matching single chair, although both looked a bit threadbare. There was a large red rug in front of the fire, which covered over half the floor. A small table and two chairs and a wooden TV cabinet with a small old-fashioned set completed the interior. There were ornaments decorated in the top of the fireplace and one or two of the walls. This included a couple of small frame pictures featuring woodland scenes. It was minimalist. But then, for a 91-year-old, it was more than enough. Wendy took a last look around and for a moment contemplated opening the curtains, but decided against that. It was dark outside and what did she need to look at in the garden? She made her way out into the hall and as she reached the stairs, absentmindedly flicked the switch again. She admonished herself for her stupidity then the smell made her catch her breath and she coughed. <laughs> Once she had recovered, she searched her bag and found a small vial of perfume, which she spread on her tissues. That might help a bit. She looked up the stairs and swallowed, a lump forming in her throat. Should she call Ronnie? Will the police? No, not yet. She needed to find out what had happened to Margaret first. She ascended the narrow side of stairs methodically, counting them in her head. As she climbed, she thought the smell was getting stronger. Wendy braced herself for an unpleasant discovery. As she stepped onto the landing, the edge of the light picked out the black shadow lying in the doorway of the bedroom. She held her nose tightly as she approached Ruffles' remains and looked upon his corpse with sad eyes. Poor mutt, she muttered. The dog lived in relatively good health and certainly didn't look as though it had starved to death. But then, she was no expert. She tried to remember whether she had seen any water in the bowl downstairs. She couldn't recall. She knew that he could survive longer without food than water, so maybe the dog had died of dehydration. Her discovery of ruffles caused her butterflies to escalate at what she might find. Wendy scanned the corpse of the dog with the light one final time before moving on. Then something caught her eye. She knelt, and despite the noxious odour, examined the dog's mouth. There was a sharp intake of breath, and she pulled back quickly. Oh no, she muttered under her breath, and began to shake. Wendy stood up and left the remains of the dog behind. She entered the bedroom, bracing herself for a shock. She scarred the room over the bed, the furniture, and the wardrobe. But there was no sign of Margaret. She retraced her steps, passing by Ruffles, and stood on the landing. The stench was overpowering, and she gagged. The only other door off the landing was to the bathroom. The door was slightly ajar. With growing trepidation, 
Mandy put her left hand on the door. She gripped her mobile tightly in her right. She raised it so slight with the fuse over a wider area. Mandy ran forward, and the door slowly swung open. As it did so, she realized she was holding her breath. She wretched at the macabre sight that met her eyes. The diminutive figure of Margaret Hubbard was lying on her front, her arms trailing above her head, like the branches of a tree. Her legs and torso were twisted and contorted at unnatural angles. Mandy felt the sting of her tears welling in her eyes. Oh, Margaret, I am so sorry. Wendy took three breaths from her mouth, ignoring the smell from both corpses. She hung her head low before becoming as far as she could muster the professional that she was. Wendy looked over what remained of the pensioner. There wasn't much. There were many aspects of this that were horrific and abhorrent. Margaret had died alone and undiscovered for weeks. Her corpse was a shrunken, dissected shell. Margaret Hubbard had been abandoned and betrayed. Wendy brought the mobile up to her face, the tears trailing down her cheeks. But, for Wendy, the ultimate indignity was that Margaret Hubbard, in death, was just another piece of meat. Ruffles starving had fed on her corpse. And that should have been the last coherent thought she had on the tragedy, but for a final macabre possibility. Did Margaret die and the dog feed on her? Or the Ruffles attack the poor woman and maul her to death, and then devour her? Old Mother Hubbard violently shuddered. The dog mother led to the bone. When she died there, her flesh stripped bare. The dog died weeks later, alone. Well, we hope that you enjoyed our latest horrific tale. If you want to keep up to date with future episodes, then subscribe to our YouTube channel and follow our social media pages. You can also give the channel support by visiting our merchandise store and picking up some of our items. Please also take a moment to support our contributing artists who very kindly lend their talents to the show. Check out the links in the description how you can do this. Well, that just leaves me to say, until next time my friends, keep it creepy, keep it horrific. <laughs>